even up to men, Mark, you need to talk to their wives. Get the wives to speak to their husbands, and then they'll be there. Okay, so wives, if you can help Mark out, that would be appreciated. Send your husbands out to help out. Now, as we uh, look at these last days, um, I want us to, to acknowledge what Jesus says in Matthew 24, verses 32 to 35. And Jesus says this, Now learn this lesson from the fig tree. As soon as, it's, as soon as its twigs get tender and its leaves come out, you know that summer is near. Even so, when you see all these things, you know that it, is, it, that it is near right at the door. I tell you the truth, this generation will certainly not pass away until all these things have happened. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will never pass away. Jesus wants us to be wise concerning the end times. Jesus wants to under, us to understand and recognize the signs of the times. He wants us to be aware. And I want you to know today that it, it, is, it is impossible, it is impossible to discuss all aspects of prophecy and end times just in four weeks' time. So today I want to quickly touch on just a few of the major end time issues that all of us, I'm sure, have questions about. But understand this, Jesus does want you to understand what will happen at the end of time. He wants us to be wise. He wants us to learn. He gives that command. Now learn this lesson from the fig tree. As, it's, as soon as its twigs get tender and its leaves come out, you know that summer is near. I want to encourage you over the next little while, to take your Bibles and read in Daniel, read in the book of Revelation, and see. These are their two major books in the Scripture. One is in the Old Testament. Daniel's in the Old Testament. Revelation in the, at the end of the New Testament. Read these books and try to begin to understand. Pray that God will open your eyes so that you understand. The first thing I want to talk to you this morning is about when the Antichrist is revealed. In Matthew 24, verses 15 to 16, it says this, So when you see standing in the holy place the abomination that causes desolation, spoken of through the prophet Daniel, let the reader understand. Again, there it is. Be wise. Learn this. Understand this. Know this. Then let those who are in Judea flee to the mountains. Jesus is referring to that passage in Daniel, Daniel chapter 9, verse 27, where it says, He will confirm a covenant with many for one seven. That seven represents, uh, or maybe in your Bible it says for one week, that represents seven years. And we know that that seven years is the time of tribulation. Now here, here's what it says. In the middle of the seven... He will put an end to sacrifice and offering, and on a wing of the temple he will set up an abomination that causes desolation until the end that is decreed is poured out on him. Now again, this seven refers to that week of the Antichrist's seven-year reign. We call it the tribulation. Jesus is speaking about the Antichrist who is going to establish a one-world government that will be established during the tribulation. During this time, the Antichrist will appear to be friendly with Israel, will, be, uh, will, will pretend to be an ally of Israel, and then he will pull a fast one on them, to put it, to, on Israel, to put it uh, in the vernacular. 
And the Antichrist will set up his, his own image in the temple. And this, of course, will be the abomination that causes desolation in that temple. Now, again, Jesus reminds us to understand, to learn, to know, and to be wise concerning these end times. Don Davidson sent me an interesting email uh, video clip, which I'm going to show to you in just a moment. But on November the 19th of this year, 2009, just, just literally a few days ago, it's just literally a few days ago. Under the new Treaty of Lisbon, Europe elected the very first, again, get ready for this, the very first permanent president of the European Council. And he, his, he will take up his position on January 1st, 2010. So we're talking now just weeks away. In accepting his appointment to be the very first permanent president of the European Council in the European Union, Herman van Rompuy affirmed his belief that the new world order would be dominated by international organizations that would seek to destroy the last vestiges of nation-states on the face of the globe. Did you hear that? This is not some imaginative preacher coming up with this stuff. This, came, this is coming right out of the mouth of the recently elected president of the European Union, who will take up his position in literally just a few weeks. Folks, Jesus says, learn the lesson from the fig tree. Understand what's going on around you. Recognize the signs. He wants to destroy the last vestiges of nation states. In other words, he doesn't want there to be a Canada and a USA and a Britain. He wants us to become a one-world country. Interesting, isn't it? This is out of his own mouth. He continued to say that the climate conference in Copenhagen, which is going to happen December 7th, this is just, a, just days away now, this climate conference in Copenhagen is another step toward the global management of our planet. They're looking at the present state of our world today, and they want to manage what's happening on this planet. Now, we're going to show that clip right now, but I want you to recognize this, my friends. Jesus says, understand the signs. Now, I'm not saying necessarily that Herman Van Rompuy is going to be the next Antichrist. I'm not saying that. But what I am saying is that he is setting the stage for a one-world government, for the management of this planet. Now, I want you to hear it right out of his, out of his own mouth. And so if you could show that clip right now, Taryn, and I want you to recognize it at the end of his little speech, he says this, our presidency, listen to this, our presidency is one of hope supported by acts and deeds. Our presidency is one of hope supported by acts and deeds. Can I remind everybody here today that our hope is not in any presidency on the face of this earth. Our hope is in Jesus Christ alone. Hallelujah. <laughs> Would you show that video clip right now, Taryn?
You may have noticed that he was speaking uh, in another language being translated for those who don't speak uh, his language. He's, he's a Belgian. But I, uh, as I listen to that again, it just sends chills down my spine. As he speaks about a one, about one world government. You heard him talk about the G20. These are the nations of the world, the, the richest nations of the world. They're going to try to solve the problems of this world. Folks, we're, we're on the way there right now. It's a one-world government. We're on the way to the time when Antichrist is going to be revealed. Jesus says, now learn this lesson from the fig tree. As soon as its, as soon as its twigs get tender and its leaves come out, you know that summer is near. This is a fulfillment of prophecy given by Daniel. And Jesus confirms this prophecy of Daniel. And now we see the unfolding of this prophecy of Daniel and Christ. We are moving towards a one-world government. We're moving towards a world that will be managed by the nations of this world. Jesus said... When you, see the, when you see standing in the holy place, the abomination that causes desolation, that holy place being the temple of, of, of God in Jerusalem, when you see the abomination that causes desolation, spoken of through the prophet Daniel, let the reader understand. What he's saying very simply is this. This is it. This is the end. And then the tribulation will begin. And we read on in verse 19 to 22. It says this, how dreadful it will be in those days for pregnant women and nursing mothers. Pray that your flight will not take place in winter or on the Sabbath, for then there will be great distress, unequaled from the beginning of the world until now, and will never be equaled again. If those days had not been cut short, no one would survive, but for the sake of the elect, those days will be shortened. What will happen during the tribulation? And before I go any further, I, want, I, gotta, I have to give you some context so you're not sitting there quaking in your boots. I, I believe that Christians will not go through the tribulation. Born-again believers will not go through the tribulation. I'm going to talk to you in just a few moments about, about the rapture that will take place, I believe, before the tribulation begins. And I'm going to share with you uh, at least four or five reasons why I believe that from Scripture. But I want to tell you, those who are not ready to see Christ, those who have not yet made your peace with God, uh, this is what you can experience. And again, I'm not telling you, to, telling you this to, to scare the daylights out of you. What I'm trying to do is I'm trying to get you to see the light and to recognize how important it is for you to put your faith in Christ. Now, again, these are not just my interpretations. This is, I'm just telling you what the Bible says. This is what will happen during the tribulation. We read in Revelation chapter 16, Verses 2 to 21, we, we read of the judgments. And we read of the first judgment. We call, it's called the first bowl, which will be poured out upon all humanity that is left on the earth. And it says this, So the first angel went and poured out his bowl upon the earth, and a foul and loathsome sore came upon the men who had the mark of the beast and those who worshipped his image. In case you don't know it, when the Antichrist sets up his reign on this earth, he is going to require everybody to have his mark. We don't know what that mark will look like. Christians have speculated about it for at least 20, 25 years. 
And every time there's some kind of new technology that comes out, Christians right away think, well, this will be it. We don't, we don't know what that mark exactly will be like, but we do know this, that it will be a, a, a mark that is connected to the beast, or to, to the Antichrist, who's called the beast. And that mark will allow you to buy and to sell. And you stop for a minute right now and think to yourself, what would happen if you had no cash, no bank card, no credit card? You'd be in trouble, wouldn't you? How would you survive? Well, my friends, you would become, I guess, like the homeless. You would be forging through, through garbage cans and through fields and trying to find some way to survive. And Jesus says in the Revelation that those who have that mark of the beast will experience foul and loathsome sores. The second bowl, and I don't, we don't need to speculate on that. It's, it's there. It's the second bowl that will be poured out says this. The second angel, Revelation 16.3, poured out his bowl on the sea, and it became blood as of a dead man, and every living creature in the sea died. I don't know if any of you have seen the History Channel. They've, they've been presenting um, seven, the seven signs of the apocalypse. I don't know if anybody seen that on the History Channel, and it explains uh, what, this, what this blood sea would, would be. And I'm not going to get into that right now, but suffice it to say that the oceans will turn red, and uh, it's, it's a phenomenon that's happened before, by the way. This is not a new thing. It's happened before, and you can research that yourself. But it causes everything to die. The third bowl, bowl will be poured out during the tribulation, it says, the third angel, verse 4, poured out his bowl on the rivers and springs of water, and they also became blood. The fourth bowl will be poured out, and it says this, the bowl will be poured out on the sun, and power was given to him to scorch men with fire. Men were scorched with great heat, and they blasphemed the name of God who had the power over these plagues, and they did not repent and give him glory. We're seeing that sort of thing happen today, aren't we? With the depletion of the ozone layer, we're seeing temperatures right here on our own continent that we'd never experienced or seen before. And we're seeing the effects of that scorching sun. This is the beginning, my friends. We're faced with the beginning of the end. The fifth angel poured out his bowl on the throne of the beast, and his kingdom became full of darkness. And they gnawed their tongues because of the pain, and they blasphemed the God of heaven because of their pains and their sores, and they did not repent of their deeds. Revelation 16, verse 10. And then it says in verse 12, the sixth bowl is poured out on the great river Euphrates, and its water was dried up so that the way of the kings from the east might be prepared. What does that mean? Jesus goes on to say, and I saw, three, uh, say through, through the uh, Apostle John, and I saw three unclean spirits like frogs coming out of the mouth of the dragon, out of the mouth of the beast, and out of the mouth of the false prophet. For they are spirits of demons performing signs which go out to the kings of the earth and of the whole world to gather them to the battle of, what, of that great day of God Almighty. Behold, I'm coming as a thief. Blessed is he who watches and keeps his garments, lest he walk naked and see his shame. And they gather them together to the place called in Hebrew, Armageddon. When that bowl is poured out and that river is dried up, it will, 
Make it possible for armies to march to Armageddon. I've been to, to the place called the Valley of Armageddon in north Israel. And if you saw that, that field, you could see very, very easily how, in fact, it would become a battlefield for the armies of the world. My friends, this is the sixth bowl that would be poured out during the tribulation. And the Bible says that, that the blood will, will run high in that valley. The seventh bowl will be poured out into the air. And a loud voice came out of the temple of heaven from the throne saying, It is done. And listen to this. And there were noises and thunderings and lightnings. And there was a great earthquake, such a mighty and great earthquake as had not occurred since men were on the earth. Now the great city was divided into three parts, and the cities of the nations fell. And great Babylon was remembered before God to give her the cup of the wine of the fierceness of his wrath. Then every island fled away, and the mountains were not found. And great hail from heaven fell upon men, each hailstone about the weight of a talent, and men blasphemed God because of the plague of the hail, since that plague was exceedingly great. This, uh, this is reminiscent of the clips that we saw in the movie that came out recently, 2012. And I certainly didn't want to show you that just to, just to create a sensation. But I want you to understand, my friends, that we are facing the end times. We are near the end. Now, I believe with my whole heart that the rapture will happen before that tribulation takes place. And for those of you who are sitting here today a little bit worried, you're a little bit terrified about these last times, Jesus, remember, said, don't be afraid. In fact, he said, look up, your redemption draws nigh. There is not to be fear in the heart of the believer. But there is to be wisdom. There is to be learning. There is to be understanding. There is to be knowledge. And it's a shameful thing for a believer who has a Bible to not know what his Bible says about such things, especially since our Master commanded us to learn, to understand, to know what is to come. So let me just share with you then why I believe the rapture will take place before this tribulation. We will see the signs. Yes, we will see the signs. And Jesus calls this the, 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 the beginning of the birth pains. Remember that? This is the beginning of the end. We're seeing that now. And just before that week called the tribulation breaks out, we will be raptured from this world. And listen to what it says in 1 Thessalonians 4, 16 and 17. For the Lord himself will come down from heaven with a loud command, with the voice of the archangel, and with the trumpet call of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. After that, we who are still alive and are left will be caught up together with, him, with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so we will be with the Lord forever. We will know when the rapture is about to take place because of the signs. And we've talked about them for the last three weeks. We've talked to you about the signs of the end of the times. And Jesus says the last sign, the last great sign will be the abomination of desolation. 
once the Antichrist is established. That will be, that'll be the beginning. It'll be at that time, my friends, that, that we leave this old world. We who have put our faith in Christ. Now, we believe that the church will be raptured before the tribulation. And we believe that we will spend those seven years with the Lord. We call it the, the marriage feast of the Lamb. And that after that, we will come back with him and we will return with Christ to set up his thousand-year reign on the earth. Now, I, I am sharing so many things with you, and you're going to have to really get your Bibles out and start studying this and start understanding these things. And some of you already know these. You know what I'm talking about as I share some of these things. But it's all there in the Scripture, and Jesus wants you to know it. If you haven't had your Bible out for a while, it's time for you to pull it out once again and start reading what the Bible says about the end of time. I believe that Christians will not be part of the generation that will be on the earth when Christ returns. And here's some of the reasons why. I could give you at least eight, but let me just give you four, or maybe five. First of all, if you look through the book of Revelation, the church is a theme of Revelations chapter 2 and 3. You might, you might remember that. And our Lord, can, he expresses a concern for the purity of the church at that time. He ends chapter 3 by saying that he stands at the door and knocks, and his second coming is inevitable, and he wants people to be ready for it. This is what he says at the end of the chapter. And then we read in Revelations chapter 4 to 5 that the church is in heaven. And then when you get to chapter 6, the tribulation breaks out. Chapters 6 to 18 details the whole story of the tribulation, of what I've just shared with you. But not once do we read about the church being on earth or what it, is, what it should be doing during the tribulation. The absence of the church then in Revelation 6 to 18 is significant, especially when you consider that it was on the earth in chapters 2 and 3 and then was in heaven in chapters 4 and 5. So that to me is one of the great, great reasons why we will not be on this earth during the tribulation. And then the other thing is that as you read through the New Testament, and, and if you have read through the New Testament, and I hope everybody here has read through the New Testament, you will find that the New Testament does not give any instructions to the church as to what they should do during the tribulation. There's nothing there about what we should be doing during that time. It's not mentioned when Christ taught about the tribulation in Matthew 24. And of course, you know that when I refer to the church, I mean those who are Christians from the time of Pentecost, it's the, from the early church, until the time of the rapture. And I'll explain what I mean by that in just a moment. I want you to know that there will be Christians alive during the tribulation, but they will be people who are saved after the tribulation begins. I'll tell you more about that in just a moment. But anyone who is a Christian prior to the tribulation will be raptured with the rest of the church. The only church that appears... On earth, during the tribulation, is what we call the false church. The religious system, it's known as Babylon. And this, we read in chapter 17 to 18 of Revelation, it will be destroyed by God. And so, 
The second reason why I believe that we will not go through the tribulation is because of the lack of instruction regarding the tribulation in the New Testament. The third reason I believe that we'll be raptured before the tribulation is because of the promise to spare Christians from future wrath. Now, you might remember that I mentioned or touched on this briefly last week. But God addresses believers in Revelation 3.10 and says, Because you have kept the word of my patience, I also will keep you from the hour of temptation, which will come upon the whole world, to try them that dwell on the earth. So, very clearly, Jesus tells us that we will be spared the pain and the, and the terrible days of the tribulation. You may remember last week I mentioned that phrase, keep from. The Greek, Greek phrase, tereo ek, which can be translated outside. Now God was saying that he will keep the saints outside the hour of temptations, which will come upon the whole world. And I believe that, a, that the promise to all Christians that they will be rescued from the tribulation can be found in that phrase tereo ek, which literally means a state of continued existence outside. And thus the church won't be kept within the tribulation, but it will be kept outside of the tribulation. And of course, we know that we will be kept with Jesus in heaven, which leads me to my next reason. In John 14, verse 3, Jesus says, if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am there you may be also. So right now, my friends, Christ is preparing a place for his church. But if the rapture takes place at the end of the tribulation, we won't be able to go to that place to be with Christ. We would meet the Lord in the air and return to earth with him immediately. And then we would not go to that place that Jesus prepared for us. And so I believe, and Jesus says in John 14, 3, that he's prepared a place for us. I believe that that's where we will be during that time of tribulation. Christ said he wants us to go to be where he is. And that's where we will go when we are raptured before the tribulation. And we will stay there until we return with him to set up his glorious kingdom on earth, his thousand-year reign. Now, there's one other reason why I believe that the rapture will take place before the tribulation, and you and I as believers will miss out on that. It's because of the distinction in the purpose of the church and Israel. If you know your Bible, you know that Israel is God's chosen people, but you also know that as believers, we are also God's chosen people. But understand this, God has different purposes for the church and, and different purposes for Israel. In Jeremiah 30, verse 7, the tribulation is known as the time of Jacob's trouble. That's when God will go back to dealing with Israel. In Romans eleven seventeen to 24, we read that Israel is like a branch broken off from the tree and that God's grafted the, tree, uh, the, the church in its place. But then in verses 23 and 24, it says that there will come a time when the church is cut off and Israel is grafted back in. Now, why would, why would it say that, that God would cut off the church? Well, it's because we're not here. And Israel is back in place to do what it's supposed to do. Now, God isn't working through the nation of Israel today, but there is coming a time when he will deal with her once again. Remember, listen to me, before the church was established, the children of Israel, Israel was used by God to be a light to all nations. And then during the time of the, the age of the church, Israel was no longer the light. The church became the light to the world. But during this time, time of the tribulation, once again, Israel 
will become the light and will be used by God as a light to the world. He will deal with her once again. In the 70-week prophecy of Daniel 9, the church doesn't appear in the first 69 weeks, and there's no reason to suppose that the church was going to appear then in the 70th week. And so we're, we're, we're looking at God's dealings with the church, or with, with Israel, in these 70 weeks of Daniel. And we read in Matthew 24, verse 34, and it says, This generation will not pass away. What is it, what's Jesus referring to then? He's referring to those who are left on the earth after the rapture because they weren't Christians, plain and simple. And it's this generation, Jesus says, that will not pass away. They will see the return of Christ. It's during the tribulation, and you may have heard of the 144,000. How many have heard of the 144,000? Wonder what that was. Those are not Jehovah's Witnesses. Those, my friends, are Jewish evangelists that God will use to touch the whole world with the message of the gospel. And the Bible says they will bring so many Jews and Gentiles to Christ that Revelation 7, 9 says that there will be so many Gentiles say that they will not be counted. Unbelievable. Read that in Revelation 7, 9. And those who become saved after the rapture and those who remain unsaved throughout the tribulation will witness the sign of Christ's coming. They will be the generation that does not die off until the events of Matthew 24 come to pass. I share this with you this morning because Jesus wants us to know and to understand what is going to happen at the end of time. I share this with you because I don't want you to be afraid of what is going to happen at the end of time. I share this with you so that you'll be ready. As these signs unfold before us, God is calling you and me to make sure that our hearts are right with him and that we're ready for the rapture. Now, some will say, well, you know what? If I miss the rapture, I'll get, it. I'll, I'll get to know Christ during the tribulation. Well, I want you to know something, my friend. If you're finding it difficult to serve God right now, if it's, you're having a difficult time right now being a Christian, there's no reason to believe that you're going to be willing, ready, or able to serve Christ during tribulation. But know this, God loves you. And has given you every opportunity to make sure your heart and your life is right with God. And furthermore, as believers who understand and recognize the signs of the times, you ought to be the best evangelists of all. You ought to be the ones who are leading people to Jesus Christ. Would you bow your heads with me, please? Lord, we read in Luke 21, 28, but when you see these things begin to take place, straighten up, lift up your heads, because your redemption is drawing nigh. Father, we pray this morning that you would do a work in our own hearts. God, help us to recognize and see that the end is of the world as we know it is coming to an end. We saw this video clip of this man recently elected to give leadership to the European Union. On December the 7th, they're going to talk about global management, managing the planet. God, we recognize that we are near the end. And we've begun to see the signs unfold before us. 
And it's very easy for us, oh God, to get caught up in the things of this world to forget that we were created not for this world, but for eternity. And so, Father, this morning, would you do a work in our hearts and help us once again to renew our faith so that we would not be accused of being lukewarm. God, we pray, light the light of our first love. Father, we thank you this morning that we belong to you. And if there are any here today who have not made their peace with you, if there are any here today who have not yet surrendered their life to Christ, God, may this be the day that they would be made ready for eternity, when they be made ready for the rapture. And we thank you, O God, for the signs and for the instruction from your word. Help us to learn to be ready, to be wise, to be knowledgeable of your return. In Jesus' name. Let's stand together and sing. There is come.